Welcome back for part two of my Jonathan Creek retrospective. The 1998 Christmas special was called Black Canary, not associated with the DC Comics character of the same name. In this 90-minute special, an older female illusionist made a big name for herself about ten years before until a horrible accident murdered her twin sister. You see, they were a double act, using their identical appearance to create the illusion of disappearing and reappearing. It saw a return of Sandy Johnson to the director's chair, and is just plain good. They don't overextend the plot with too much padding and filler. There's some intrigue between Jonathan and the daughter of the deceased, who used to date, and as usual, Adam tries to sleaze his way into the bed of a 29-year-old Austrian woman with comedic results. The writers decided that at some point, Adam would just be the comic relief by being a horn dog. It's rather gross, even for the time these episodes were produced. Season 3 released in November of 1999, and began with the curious tale of Mr. Spearfish. In this one, a ginger man and his wife reveal that they found wealth after he, the eponymous Mr. Spearfish, supposedly sold his soul. Now, this is ridiculous, of course, as a ginger can't sell something we don't have. Anyway, he says that he did this in a sort of Needful Things-style shop. A subplot involves Adam appearing in court, having allegedly told a staff member at a hotel to do something unnatural with a smoked kipper. Things take a twist when Mr. Spearfish sleeps with a prostitute, only to have a man burst in on them and shoot them both while he mysteriously survives two shots to the chest. Later, the same gunman comes at him with a rifle, but trembles in place before falling to the ground and dying. Things seem fishy when their financial advisor doesn't technically exist. As I was re-watching, I remembered the twist behind the mystery of this show, and how this down-on-their-luck couple kept coming across all this wealth. It's definitely one of the funnier episodes, with the better bits of humor at the very end. Episode 2, The Eyes of Tiresias, has a woman receiving dreams of things before they happen. A Swiss businessman is murdered, a woman crashes her car, and she fears that she will be next when her dreams envision a one-eyed man with a sword attacking her. This episode does a good job at keeping the mystery fresh by involving a rather elaborate murder with some elements that come back in a Season 4 episode. Episode 3, The Omega Man, is unique in that it borrows some notes from the X-Files. Maddie is contacted by a hoaxer that swears he has a real alien skeleton. The United States Air Force grabs Jonathan and insists he investigate the alleged alien. Get ready for Britons doing bad American accents. The alien corpse burns people to the touch, but it isn't radioactive, or even hot. Then, after it's been crated up and carted off, redirected to an Air Force facility, it disappears, still inside a solid glass case. Did E.T. phone an Uber? Only Jonathan Creek can solve the mystery. 
The resolution on this one is not great, and you can feel that this was a stretch for the writers to possibly try to lure in some X-Files fans. Episode 4, Ghosts Forge, sees Richard Holthouse take the directorial reins from Keith Washington for a couple of episodes. A mysterious house is being renovated for sale, the eponymous Ghosts Forge, and a friend of Maddie's wants Jonathan to come and have a look. The friend is, of course, having a love affair with a man who keeps muttering the word in his sleep. A married man with a newborn. Investigation only turns up a packet with the same five books, and Maddie mysteriously disappears only to turn up after Jonathan gives up looking for her. The resolution to this story is a bit contrived and relies on an old cliché idea that was old and tired before it was used in this episode. Miracle in Crooked Lane is our fifth episode this season, and sees a rather unique subject to Britain, the Page Three Girl, which is a bit like a more tasteful version of a Playboy or Penthouse centerfold. A lot of newspapers to this day will often use the third page to entice readers attracted to women by showing her in a sexy pose, wearing revealing clothing, and often being as sexy as possible. The subject is retired now, married to an older man who keeps her in a spacious country home. A horrible accident puts her in the hospital, badly burned. And yet, a saintly old woman and charity worker has sworn that she saw the woman later that afternoon during tea, without a scratch, stopping even to talk with her for a moment. The two stories can't both be true. In this episode, Jonathan is hounded a bit by one of his fans, as his legend spreads via Maddie's books. At one point, we even see Jonathan in a tent full of clones of him, all deliberating the details of one mystery or other, getting them all quite wrong. It's Jonathan's worst nightmare, imitators doing him a disservice. The story features a rather funny subplot and resolution. Episode 6 is The Three Gamblers, and it's easily one of the best for the season. A dealer, or pusher, is arranging to meet a couple of pawns in an abandoned cabin, arranging for them to go make a pickup when things suddenly go awry, and he winds up shot in the head six times. The others dump his body in the cellar, locking it and blocking it off with a heavy dresser. Nobody knowing it's there except for the three gamblers. But somehow, when the body is discovered months later, the dead man's hand is reaching under the cellar door, and his corpse looks as though it is crawling up the cellar stairs, with a frozen look of rage on its lifeless face. The solution to this episode is rather good, and it plays rather well with a Chekhov's gun device. That's it. That's the end of part two. I'll see you back here next time for part three, as we'll start with a look into Satan's Chimney.